If you have a Bible, we're going to jump right in and invite you to open to the book of Mark chapter 1. Uh, the book of Mark. If you're unfamiliar with your Bible, you've got two halves. You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mark is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, the second book. Um, we have been in a series that we started last week called Margin. Uh, kind of looking at how do we create margin in our life. We talked about how uh, the best life, our best life, is found when we live with margin in our life. And so we've been talking about margin. We said margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. So, for example, if you've got, if you've got $100, you've got $80 of bills, you've got $20 of margin. And we talked about margin being the difference between what we have and what we need. And I love this idea because when I think about life, when I think about where I am right now, man, that's what I need in my life right now, margin. Because for me, it feels like, I don't know for you, for me, it feels like I've got 100 bucks, I've got $120 worth of bills. And when you're stretched, when you find yourself without margin, what happens? Stress increases. Relational intimacy decreases. You have conflict with people around you because you have no margin. You have no ability to deal with, with life. And so I'm excited to be able to have this conversation for the next couple of weeks about creating margin in our life where we can ha- decrease our stress, where our relational intimacy can increase. I think that's a good goal for every one of us that we would have and find margin. Today we're going to be dealing with the issue of how do we prioritize margin in our life? How do we create margin with our time? How do we create margin within our schedule, within our lives? Because let me tell you, if we actually were to create margin in our schedule and margin in our, in our time, you know what that would mean? That would mean that we have more than enough time, that we would actually have extra time. How many of you would love for some extra time right now? I know I would love for some extra time. If we had extra time, think about all you could do with that extra time. You could actually help somebody who's going through a difficult time. When they say, hey, I want to come tell you what's going on in my heart and in my life, you're not like looking at the clock because you've got other things to do, other places to be. It means that you could actually listen to your, your spouse, you could listen to your kids, you could listen to your family members and your friends without wigging out because of the schedule, without your mind being someone else. It means that you could actually have time spent with your loved ones and you're not fighting because of the stress and because of the anxiety over things going on in your life. Uh, having margin in our schedule would mean that we would have plenty of time where we could spend with God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe who desires a relationship with us, who doesn't desire us to just follow everything he does. He desires an actual relationship, which requires we spend time. So Mark chapter 1 is a, is a beautiful passage of scripture. Jesus has just begun his, his ministry. He just begun uh, publicly going on and, and doing what he was called to do. And he goes to a synagogue in Capernaum. And he goes into this synagogue and there's a man with an unclean spirit. And Jesus heals him. And a hush fell over the crowd. People were excited. Whoa, who's this Jesus guy? Look what he's doing. And then, and then Jesus goes to, uh, he calls his disciples. And he goes to his, his disciple uh, uh, Peter. He goes to Peter's house. And Peter's got a sick mother-in-law. And Peter, I don't know what Peter was praying but Jesus heals the mother-in-law, right? And that officially settles the, the competition about who the favorite son-in-law would be for the rest of all time and eternity. Because Peter's new mentor, Jesus, just healed the mother-in-law. Word gets out throughout the town of Capernaum. Man, there's this guy, Jesus. He heals people. He casts out demons. He does miracles. And the word gets out through the entire town. 
And all of a sudden, all sorts of people came to see Jesus. All sorts of people who were sick, who had disease, who had uh, 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 sickness, and all these different things. They come to Jesus. And here's where we pick up. Uh, and we're going to see something in the, the Mark chapter, chapter 1 today. Jesus is going to teach us something. He's going to teach us how we can have margin, how we can find margin in our life. Because we will find margin with our time and with our schedule when we live with purpose. You understand that? If we want to create margin in our life, if we want to have time for all those things that are most important, we have to live with purpose. And that's what Jesus is going to show us. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 32. Jesus, this is still in Capernaum, it says, That evening at sundown, they, the town, they brought to Jesus all the people who were sick or who were oppressed by demons. And check this out, verse 33. The whole city gathered at the door. There's a lot of people who are coming to hear about this Jesus. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out demons, but he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. I mean, you think about, you think about your schedule, you think about our, our schedule, and then Jesus, like here he is starting out his ministry. Like this is exciting, right? Like he's starting out his ministry to proclaim the kingdom of God, and now the entire town has come to where he's at. Like how exciting for him. Like that's a great start to ministry, right? All these people that are there, disciples. Uh, Jesus just called these disciples, and they are thinking, man, we're joining this new startup. We've got this new church plant that we just came a part of. Look, the whole town, this is exciting. The potential for what Jesus is doing, they're excited. But Jesus is going to do something here. He's going to teach us, and we're going to find three things, three uh, ways to ensure that we live with purpose, that we can create margin in our life by living with purpose. First, look at verse 35. Again, all the people are there. All the people have come to Jesus. The whole town, they're seeking something from him. And verse 35 says, And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. See, the first thing we're going to do, if if we're going to live with purpose and create that margin in our time and with our schedule, we have to stay spiritually fresh. We've got to stay spiritual. I love this picture of all these people that are coming to see Jesus, all this exciting things happening, and what does Jesus do? He says, no, I'm going to leave you guys all here, and I'm going to go off and spend some time alone just between me and my God. See, when we talk about staying spiritually fresh, I'm not specifically talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about you serving and and, and giving money to the church. What what I'm talking about, what Jesus is, is pointing us to, is an intimate relationship with God, an intimate time with him where we are, are praying to him, we're listening to him, we're, we're reading his word. You know, it's, it's this idea, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things, all these other things that we worry about, all these other things we stress about, our, our house and our job and our, and our relationships and all these other things. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and all of these other things. All of these other things will be added to you. Like, that's what the scripture says. And you think the scripture says, if we just seek first God's kingdom, man, wouldn't life be so much easier? But why is it so hard for us to get that? Why does Jesus say, just seek me first, and then everything else will be added to you? Why do we have a hard time understanding that and believing that and living like that? It's kind of like this. Have you ever driven a car that has its wheels out of alignment? You're driving the car, 
And the wheels, and the car is constantly pulling to the other side. It's constantly pulling off the straight path. I think by nature, all of us, we have a heart that is out of alignment with God. We have a heart that is continually pulling away from God. And what happens is when we become squeezed, when our time becomes uh, at risk, when we start getting busy, what is the first thing that gets squeezed out of our life? Typically, it's going to be the intimate time with God. Typically, we're going to say, well, I've got to work, I've got the kids, I've got the house to clean, I've got all these other things. And then if I have time left over, then I'll spend time with God. When we get busy, when we lose margin, one of the things that gets squeezed is the intimate time with God. I know sometimes you say, well, I just, I just don't have time to, to spend that intimate time with God. And I would argue this morning, and I would say, you don't have time not to have time with God, right? Again, think about what Scripture said. Think of what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. It's kind of like, like the idea of a tithe. The idea of a tithe is you put aside first a portion to give to God, and then God blesses the rest. God, it's not just somehow we can give 10% to God, and that 90% goes further than if we kept 100% for ourselves. And it's the same thing with our time. If we dedicate that time to God, it's like God blesses it and multiplies it and makes it more effective. I mean, I'll, just, just my life, I mean, I'm, I'm like many of you, I'm just busy as all get out. I think about all the roles that I wear in my life. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I've got five kids. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a wannabe runner. Like I'd love to be a real runner and I'm trying to get there, but I'm more of a wannabe at this point. And, and what I've found is, is life gets so busy that my, personally, my intimate time with God, sometimes it's pretty intermittent. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not. It can be difficult. But if I'm going to be honest with you, the times that I have found that my life is the best, the times that I found that all those roles that I'm in, the times that I'm able to balance them the best, the times where I feel like I'm the most fruitful, the times that I feel like things are actually working well, man, it's not when I eat better. It's not when I sleep more. It's not when I work harder and try harder. The times that I find my life works best is when I'm spending that time with God. That he just blesses uh, uh, the rest of my life when I seek him first. Because what happens when we seek him first, it gets our heart aligned to him. And when our heart is aligned with him, uh, throughout the day we become sensitive to his leading. We can begin to recognize, man, man, here's where God is leading me. Here's where God isn't leading me. I I begin sensitive, man, these are things I should do and these are things I, I shouldn't do. When we have the intimate time with God, you know what happens to our identity? Our identity becomes secure in what he said about us. So I can trust and say, man, this is where God is leading me. This is how God is directing me. Instead of me being concerned of, well, I need to do this because somebody's going to think I should. And because their opinion matters, I need to do certain things so other people think highly of me. When we have that intimate time with God, that relationship, that, that, that time with him, it's like he takes our identity and says, no, I love you. I trust you. I accept you. So those opinions become a little bit more diminished in my own heart and in my, my mind. So let me just throw that out. What does is, what is your time with God look like for you? 
I mean, do you have that regular time? Do you have that time where you are consistently praying and listening and reading? Christians, we call this a quiet time. A quiet time with God. And now, I know you hear this idea of a quiet time, and I don't know about you, but I had this idea when I was a newer Christian. Man, a quiet time, that sounds really hard. Like, I've got to go and have this, like, 45-minute Bible study, and I've got to know all these answers, and I've got to have this, this, this crazy, long, in-depth study and conversation with God. Man, I, I don't think that's what a quiet time has to be. In fact, I gave you an assignment last week. I gave you an assignment. The assignment for you was this, is you were to take five minutes a day and not be on your phone, uh, not be on the TV, not be thinking about all the things you need to do. Take five minutes and just be still. Just be still. How many of you find that difficult to do this week? How many of you are like, man, that was really hard just to be still? Man, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do, Okay. You've got that five minutes. I want you to keep working on that. Keep working five minutes a day of just being, being before God. A quiet time is, I want you to add another five minutes. I want you to take the, the, the 10 minutes. You've got five minutes. Grab your phone and download the Bible app. You can do it right now. I'll give you permission to be on your phone. If you get on Instagram, you better post a picture of me. But, you know, whatever that happens to be. Download the Bible app. I mean, we have this idea that we've got to have this, this in-depth Bible study. No, you grab the Bible app, and there are so many easy Bible reading plans for you to follow. Devotional plans. That you can be in God's Word. Listen, you don't have to read chapters upon chapters a day. Just read every day. Even if it's just a single verse. Just open up that Bible. Open it up and read and then you've got that five minutes that you just be still before God and you begin to pray and you begin to, to listen. Listen, I will tell you what, if you make a commitment to take just a few minutes and just have that time with God, man, you're going to find that your life begins to change. That you begin to feel his presence throughout the day. That you begin to feel his, his direction and his guidance. Because you saw him. And that's what, that's what Jesus said in Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And that's what Jesus is modeling for us. There's all these people around, all these things happening. And Jesus says, hold up. I'm going to stop. And I'm going to come over here and I'm going to have this intimate, quiet time with me and, and God. First thing we're going to do if we want to create that margin, if we want to live with purpose, we've got to have a uh, uh, stay spiritually fresh. Second, second thing we're going to do if we're going to live with purpose is we're going to stop giving in to all the demands around us. We're going to stop giving in to all of the demands around us. Again, here's Jesus. He's alone. He's out spending quiet time with God. Verse 36 says, And Simon and those who were with him, all the disciples, they searched for him. And they found him and they said, Hey, Jesus, don't you know everybody's looking for you? Jesus, don't you know there's all these people that are outside. They're waiting for you to come and, and heal their diseases and, and speak into their life and, and preach and do all those things you're going to do. Jesus, don't you know you can't go off and be alone right now because there's all these people that want you to come and be with them. Uh, the, the book of Luke tells the same story. Luke chapter 4, uh, and it says, verse 42, And the people sought him, and they came to him. And they would have kept him from leaving. There was such a ma- demand for Jesus' time. You think about the pressure that Jesus would have been in. The demands from the people all around him. I mean, it was huge. There's a, the entire town has come to Jesus. Now, I'll be honest. 
How many of us would feel pretty good in that situation? Man, we'd feel like pretty important, pretty valuable. Like, look how, look how important I am. There's all these people who are coming because they want me. They want to get something from me. We like to be desired, do we not? We, we, we like to feel like, hey, we need to do this. And so what happens is our culture begins to speak into our life. We start doing more. We start doing more because people around us say, this is what you need to do. Have you ever felt that in your own life? You have this culture or this, this inner feeling inside of you to do more. Do more at work, right? Do more uh, parenting. You got to be a better parent. You got to do more as a parent. You got to do more for your faith. You got to do more for the church. And it's more, more, more. And this is the pressure that Jesus is feeling. There's all these people saying, Jesus, come and do more for us. Do more for us. But see, what I love about Jesus is Jesus, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what he was called to. Jesus wasn't called to be a miracle worker. He did miracles, but that wasn't his calling. Jesus wasn't called to be a healer. He did heal people, but he wasn't called to be a healer. These miracles and these healings, they were demonstrations of a kingdom that was coming. It was a demonstration. Hey, there's eternity waiting. There's a place in heaven where there is no sickness. There is no death. There is no power of evil reigning over us. And these demonstrations, these healings, these miracles, he was pointing to this kingdom ahead of us. That if you have a relationship with him, you will be in heaven with him. But Jesus knew his purpose. His purpose was to seek and to save those who were lost. His purpose was to proclaim the good news, to provide a way for us to enter into heaven, to have a relationship with God. And these miracles and these healings, they were, they were appetizers to the main dish. They were a taste of what's to come in eternity. See, I'm, I'm convinced. In our go, 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 do, 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 busy, busy, busy society, that many of us are robbed from the meaning of life, not because we're not committed, but because we're overcommitted. Right? You understand that? That many of us are missing out from the best life, not because we're not committed to good things, but because we are completely overcommitted, overstretched. There's a guy by the name of Sidney McCauley, and he said, Business, busyness, excuse me, can be a way to avoid God, to avoid the meaning of life and life itself. I mean, last week we talked about this, that it's not just enough for us to be busy with good things, that we actually have to be busy with the best things. And how oftentimes the enemy of the best things is good things. Because we can fill our life with good things. And miss out on the best things. And the most important things. There's a pastor uh, named Andy Stanley. And he wrote a book called The Best Question Ever. And I think, it's, uh, I think it fits so in line with this idea uh, of margin in our schedule and in our time. So just say, for example, somebody says to you, says, hey, do you want to go and do such and such this coming Saturday? Do you want to come and hang out with me and we'll go to a movie and go do whatever we're going to go do? And there's different ways you could respond to that. You could look and say, well, let me look at my schedule. Let me see if I'm free. You pull up your calendar and say, well, I'm free. I guess I could go do that. Or you could just say, well, you know, that movie, is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? Like, that'll dictate how I respond to that question. Do you want to go and do you want to do this or, or that? Is it right or wrong? If it's not wrong, it's got to be right, right? Listen, those questions are not the best. Am I free? Is it right or wrong? The best question that we can ask ourselves, and when dealing with our schedule, with dealing with our time, with what we commit to, 
is, is it wise? Last question, is it wise? In light of where I am right now, in light of my circumstances, is it wise for me to do this? In light of my priorities, in light of my purpose, is this wise for me to commit to? Think about this. Stretching this idea, is it wise further? In light of my financial goals, is it wise for me to spend my money in this way? In light of the fact that we've got kids in diapers right now, is it wise for me to commit to doing this? In light of the fact that we've got teenagers at home, they're going to be gone out of our house before we can recognize it. Is it wise for me to give another night out? In light of the fact that life is short, that time is precious, that every day is a gift, is it wise for us to invest our time in what we are investing in? Not is it right or wrong, not is it free, not can I, but the question we have to learn to ask ourselves, is it wise? Ephesians chapter 5, same idea, says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Again, it's a simple idea. Honestly, I think some of us, we are, are robbed from, from having margin, from finding the, the, the best life. Not because we're not committed, but because we're making unwise decisions with how we commit our time. And it's my prayer is that we begin to be a people that have courage. That you would have faith and boldness to trust God. That you would say no to many th- good things. So you can say yes to the very best things in life. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Like, I'm an optimist. My wife will tell you. Like, when somebody says, hey, you want to do this? I'm like, we can do it all. We can do everything. And I have this just optimism. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. I find it hard to turn down a good opportunity. You know what I've had to learn? You know how you turn down a good opportunity? Okay, this is going to be life-changing for you. You might want to write this down. You know how you turn down a good opportunity? No. And oh, I mean, let let me say it again. You know how you turn down a good opportunity? You say no. Well, don't I have to give a reason? No is a complete sentence by itself. You don't have to add anything. That is, I mean, English teacher, that's a complete sentence. No, period. Romans chapter 12 tells us, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed. Be different. Means that when you're adding things to your plate, when you're looking at your schedule and what you commit to, be wise about it. It doesn't matter if other people think you're weird because you're not doing what everybody else is doing. You are willing to be different because of your faith. For example, you ever notice how the TV is just a constant thing in many of our houses? Uh, uh, USA Today, they had an article that said the average American, the average, so some of you are above average, some of you, like me, were below average in multiple ways. Uh, the average American spends 28 hours a week with a TV on. 28 hours a week. That's more than three full productive days at work. That's a lot of time. In 70 years, if you're the average American, you will spend 10 years zoning out in front of the TV. Listen, does that sound very wise to you? You think about that. A number of years ago, 10, 12, 15 years ago, I don't know how long it was. 
we were in that spot. I grew up, my TV was always on. And so we got married, and guess what? The TV was always on. My wife said, hey, Kevin, maybe we should, maybe we should fast from the TV. I'm like, well, everybody else does it. Everybody else has a TV on. Well, Kevin, maybe we should just fast and just kind of, and so we did that. We decided we're going to turn the TV off. We, we cut the cable. We took the little rabbit ears out. I mean, there was nothing. You couldn't get the TV on. You'd get, you'd get snow is all you would get. That means there was no news. Means that during football season, there was no football on the TV. There's no Saturday morning cartoons, no SpongeBob. And we're sitting here, and, 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 and honest, it was a little bit of a controversial decision. I mean, I, I thought the kids, they were going to stage a rebellion. I mean, I wanted to stage a rebellion. I think Sam, I think she sat with an eye open for a long time, wondering who was going to come after her for turning the TV off. We said, hey, we're going to do it for a month. And a month turned to two. Two months turned to six months. Six months turned a couple years. I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. We detoxed from the TV. We rediscovered how to have family time. We discovered how to play games together, how to tell stories together, how to read. Do you know you can read books and there's good stories in those? Like you have to rediscover those sorts of things. We've, we've got a TV back on. We've got the little rabbit ears and all those things up. But you know what? It is different now. Now that TV's not on. 28 hours a week. Because we've had to program ourselves and say, I don't care if this is the way everybody else does it. We want to do something different. We have to be willing to say no to things that are not bad so we can say yes to the things that are most important. What is the thing in your life? What is the unwise thing in your life that you need to say no to? To start thinking about yourself. Is it more work hours? You need to be willing to say no to that. Is there a relationship in your life that's unwise? Relationship that you need to say no to? How about buying another toy? Maybe you need to say no to spending that money. Maybe for you, you need to say no to social media. Whatever it is, you have to be willing to say no to things that don't matter and not to give in to all the demands around you. Third thing we're going to do if we're going to live with purpose to find margin in our life is we have to keep the main thing the main thing. You've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him, they searched for him and they found him. They said to him, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. They need you to do all these things for him. And Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. They went through all of Galilee, preaching in synagogues and casting out demons. When you think about Jesus in Capernaum, there's probably enough in Capernaum for Jesus to have a really good life. I mean, he could have been really busy, really busy. I mean, in a single day, Jesus, as he showed up and did all these things, they could have named him the doctor and the pastor of the entire town. Capernaum, they could have used him. They would have really benefited from having him. But when it comes down to it, Jesus knew his purpose. He knew his goal. He knew his mission. He knew his main thing. And he wasn't going to settle for what's good and miss out on what is best. How many of us are doing that? We settle on what's good instead of waiting for what's best. Once we identify what our main thing is, once we can know, man, this is my calling. This is my purpose. This is my mission. Isn't it easier for us to begin to spot 
the difference between what's good and what's best? So once we identify, man, this is where we want to go. This is what we want to accomplish. Isn't it easier for us to determine, man, this is something that's good, but it's not the best. I want what's best. You know, as a pastor, I go to all these conferences and uh, read all these books. And there's all these uh, experts that tell you, man, if you're going to have a successful church, you need to do this. And if you're going to have a great church, you need to do that. And there's these things, I always get these emails that say, uh, you know, uh, 10 must-do secrets to make your church successful. And there's all these great ideas all over the map. All these cool ideas that the church could do. And honestly, it's easy for, for, for us as a church, for me as a leader, to drift. It's easy for me to say, well, that sounds good. I'm going to go that direction that now. And that's beautiful because there is a diversity of the church. There's different churches for different people, different locations. But one of the things I had to learn as a pastor is I have to be convinced of the calling, of the purpose, of the mission that God gave me for this church. Because when I know my purpose, when I know my calling, it's easier for me to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. It's easier for me to, to find the direction we're going and stick with it. Say, well, who, who's restoration? What's the mission? What's the, the vision? What's the purpose? Man, number one, we're going to be a gospel-centered church. It means that when you come to church, listen, the way to faith, the way to God, the way to growing in your faith is not by trying harder. It's not by doing more. It's believing the truth of what Jesus has done for you. Believing in the gospel. Number two, we're going to be a church that, that, that values diversity. That it doesn't matter what background you came from. It doesn't matter last night if you slept in a big house on the hill or whether last night you were down on the street. It doesn't matter if you are black or brown or white or, or any other color. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a long time and you know all the Sunday school answers. Or whether you're coming here today and you're saying, man, I'm just looking for answers. I don't know anything about faith, but I'm trying to find meaning and purpose and change. Whatever your background is, you are welcomed and loved and accepted at Restoration Church. That diversity is beautiful. And because I believe in the power of the message of the gospel to change lives, we're going to be a church that takes take risks. That we have this mission to know Christ and to make Christ known. And we're not going to just play it safe. We're not going to come and we're not going to just going to do church and, and just have fun doing church. We're going to risk our time. We're going to risk our money. We're going to risk dropping the ball a few times in order to give us an opportunity to tell our city and our region and our world about this Jesus who can change lives. That we will take incredible risks. That is who restoration is. These are the things that dictate the things that we say yes to. That is our main thing. And we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. What does that look like for you? What is your main thing? I think about I think about moms. I'm not a mom, but I think about moms. My wife is a mom. I think about the pressure that's on moms. You read a book, you, you, you watch a blog, you do whatever it is, and, and you see the super mom. And all of a sudden, that mom begins to feel this pressure. Oh, man, 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 I've got to do more. You, you know, I've, I've got to serve more. I've got to lead 10 Bible studies. I've got to move to Africa. Uh, I've got to uh, be the PTA chairman at the school. You know, I've got to go work with teen moms. I've got to do all these things because you feel this pressure. Hey, mom, if you're going to be good, you've got to be like this person. 
Mom, what's your main thing? Can I just suggest to you today that your main thing, that your mission is to be the most godly wife and mom possible for the husband of those little kids in your house. That your mission field at your stage of life is your husband and your kids. That doesn't mean that you can't be involved in church. That doesn't mean you can't serve and do some other things. But those things don't take away from your main thing. What about your work? Oftentimes we think, well, you know, my, my, my primary purpose in life is, is my work. So, uh, you know, if I'm a plumber, I'm a Christian plumber, right? And my mission is to keep the toilets working. That's a good mission. That's a good thing. We appreciate that, right? But can I just suggest, maybe you're not a Christian plumber. Maybe you're not a plumber who happens to be a Christian. Perhaps you are a Christian who happens to be a plumber. That the toilets, you keep in the toilets working, is how you display and fulfill your calling to be the best Christian possible. That your first and foremost mission is to be a Christian in the community. And this is where we look to Jesus and we learn from Jesus because Jesus knew what his main thing was. He knew what his main thing was and he stuck with it. I'm called to seek and to save those who are lost. To preach about the kingdom of God. And even though there's a lot of good things happening in Capernaum and I can stay here and have a really good life, I'm going to keep my main thing the main thing. Here's homework for you this week. Last week, you had five minutes to sit and be with God. You should do that again this week. I want to encourage you to do that. But your homework this week, I want you to sit down. And I want you to begin to pray. Talk to God. Talk to your family around you. Reflect. And I want you to write down, what is your main thing? What is your main thing? What is your calling? I want you to think through that. I want you to write it down this week. There's something powerful about when you write these things down. Example, I think uh, one, of my, one of my roles is to be a parent. And all these different roles, we should back up just a second. Something you might try is you start thinking through writing down your main thing. Think about the different roles that you wear, the hats that you wear. For me, I'm, I'm a pastor. I, I, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm, 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 I'm a Christian. One of the best things you can do is put those things in order. Okay, first and foremost, before I'm a pastor... Before I'm a father, before I'm a husband, I'm a Christian. Secondly, I'm a husband. Thirdly, I'm a dad. And fourth, sorry for you guys, I'm a pastor. That's the order of my life. And one of the things you might do is to begin to look at those primary roles in your life. What is my main thing for each of those primary roles? What is my main thing as a Christian? What is my main thing as a spouse? What is my main thing as a friend? What is my main thing as an employee? For an example... I'm a parent. I have five kids. There's lots of ways for, for us to raise our kids, is there not? I mean, there, there's books galore that tell you, here's how you do it. I mean, I think about all the different ways we could raise our kids. We could raise our kids to become really successful when they're adults, which is good, because then they can take care of Sam and I in our old age. That would be a good thing. Kids, that would be a good thing, right? We could raise our kids and have the focus on, man, I want to give them all the opportunities out there. I want to give them all the opportunities that I never had when I was growing up. And so you want to give them all the opportunities. But you know what my main thing for my kids? 
strip it down. Here's what I want for my kids. I want them to love God. I want them to love their family. I want them to love people. Hey, that is most important. That is my main thing for my kids. You know what happens when you identify what that main thing is? Man, no longer do I care if my kids are the greatest athlete or not. No longer do I care if they're the smartest. No longer do I care if they're the most popular kid in school. Because my main thing dictates how I parent, dictates what I want to see out of their life. And what does that look like for you? What does that look like in your marriage? What is your main thing? What does that look like in your workplace? What is your main thing? What does that look like in your faith life? What is your main thing? Listen, when you have that main thing, when you understand your calling, you understand your purpose, then isn't it easier for us to pass up on those things that keep us busy but aren't going to fulfill the mission and the calling that we have in our life? Listen, the reason I want to share these things with you is because when you look at your schedule, when you look at time, when you look at how you spend your life, you have to work out the things that you want to have worked in. We have to work out the things that we want to have worked into our life. Because if you don't have things worked out, you don't have these things figured out in your life, this is where I want to go as a parent. This is where I want to go as a spouse. This is where I want to go as an employee. This is where I want to go as a, as a Christian. And pretty soon, there's all these other good opportunities that are going to be presented in front of you. And you're going to start taking those. And you're going to find, man, I don't have any margin anymore. I don't have the bandwidth to go and focus on the most important things. This is why, listen, you have to do this. It's so important. You have to work out the things that you want worked into your life. Restoration Church, I love you guys. And what I want for us is that we would be a people that would find the, the margins that bring the best life. That we'd have the margin for what's most important. The question is, what are you going to do with this today? The margin is found when we live with purpose live with intentionality. So what's your takeaway this morning? Some of you, it's going to be, you got to have a quiet time. you got to make that dedication. I'm going to read the Bible every day. It may just be a single verse, but I'm going to open up my Bible every day. Some of you, what is the things you need to start saying no to? Some things in your life that you need to say, I need to say no to this because it's not wise for me anymore. For all of us, what is our main thing? What is our purpose? What is our goal? And how do we allow that to dictate the things that we bring into our life and we commit our time to? Let's pray.